speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You can't do any better than that when we're praying. And the other one is very haunting. Rabbi, where do you live? Come and see, and you will find out. And they enter into Jesus' home where he's staying and spend the whole afternoon there. Who wouldn't want to be those two disciples? Hauntingly, the moment their lives changed forever, when Jesus enters in, and Samuel, the moment of his call, and nothing's the same after that. These are both stories about how we listen to God and how we speak to him. And both of them are quite different. Sometimes Jesus takes the initiative and calls our name. Other times we hear and we follow. In both cases, they relied on someone else to guide them. Notice that St. Peter comes in because his brother Andrew calls him. And Andrew hears because John the Baptist points out Jesus, the prophet, without someone else. They needed someone to guide them. This represents those who lead us into the faith. It represents the church and those around us that we need them. And God speaks through the church and speaks through others and guides us through others. Notice that there was another disciple with Andrew who did not persevere or was not called to a deeper relationship with Jesus, but Andrew became one of the apostles. And that was the moment that they, they connected and later on Jesus called him permanently up at the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the, the story of Samuel is, is one of my favorites in the Old Testament, of course. Samuel uh, had a... His parents were, were unable to have children, which is always a very difficult thing for, for a family. And she prayed, Oh God, if you only give me a child, I'll dedicate him to the Lord. And Samuel was born, and from this very birth, God had given Samuel a mission. God saw Samuel before he was born and already had some ideas for Samuel. But Samuel had to respond to God. All of us, too, God has something in mind for our lives. There's something that we are called to do with our lives. Our lives are important. God has a mission for you and me. And it began before birth. It's very interesting as you go through life to, to focus on what mission did God give me? What in the world is different because I was here? What did God give me to do? It's usually on the individual level, you know. So Samuel is given over to the care of Eli. Notice there's no, there's no Jewish temple yet. It hasn't been built. David hasn't been called. And so this is where the Ark of the Covenant is. It's a shrine. I believe it's in, in Shiloh. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's one of the Jewish shrines, the most important one of that era. And Eli is the priest in charge of the temple. Now, this is, Eli is, a, is an interesting character. He's not particularly holy, if you read the whole, the whole book of Samuel. But nevertheless, he has the role of guiding Samuel. Samuel is going to be one of the greatest prophets, along with Elijah, that Israel ever had. But now he doesn't know the Lord. And the Lord is almost playing a game with him. He says, Samuel, Samuel, you know, that's... The Lord could have said, Samuel, I'm the Lord your God, like you said to Moses, but no, it's just Samuel, Samuel. He gets up and goes around and says, you called me. And he says, I didn't call you, go back to sleep. You know, Samuel, Samuel, I didn't call you, go back to sleep. Quit waking me up. <laughs> well, Eli was kind of a grouchy character if you read the whole Bible. I'm adding something in. But... <laughs> the third time, Samuel, Samuel. The Lord could have said more. Why did he only say Samuel, Samuel? Why didn't just get going? He wants Eli to participate in this. And Eli finally gets a clue. Here's the spiritual master. Three times it takes. But the Lord perseveres. And he says, I know what this is. The Lord is calling you. And he probably gave him a brief, the Lord is God. This is God. Next time you hear this, 
say, speak, Lord, because I'm listening. This is, this is a metaphor for our lives. So often God calls and calls and calls, and we finally said yes. I didn't say it at the other masses, but I was in Tucson last week, among other places. This is where I said yes to the priesthood. And so there's a special place where this happened. And uh, as I drove by on the freeway, I could see the place where it was. And I thought, that was 25 years ago. And, but God called and called and called and called. And I finally said yes. It wasn't right away. And this is often what happens with us. But it requires someone else to guide us. Without a few people in my life to guide me, I would not be here. I couldn't do it on my own. Not, I couldn't discern what God wanted. And Samuel couldn't either. You can imagine Eli having long discussions with Samuel and guiding him to be more and more open to the voice of God. How do we listen to him? Samuel had a unique relationship with God, and the same was true with Andrew and Peter. Without, without John the Baptist, without Andrew, there would be no Peter, who became the leader of the apostles. But it began with something very humble. Um, we too have those that guide us. This is why we come to church on Sunday, to hear the word of God. There are many ways God speaks to us, but through the church and through the scriptures, we know we can count on that. We know through 2,000 years, going back to the apostles, that we are on the right path when we follow what the church teaches and what scripture teaches. And sometimes scripture needs to be interpreted by those who came before us. Otherwise, we can get lost because we don't always know for sure when we're listening to our own voices where we're going with this. And this is God's intention, is that we always discern God's will. How do I hear the voice of God in my life? Am I praying every day? Do I say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening? There were three readings today. One of them that I'm not preaching about may be speaking to you if your body is in immorality. Maybe God is calling for a conversion this year, uh, in, the, in this new year. What is God calling me to do this year with him? It could be very exciting, the beginning of something brand new, and it can start right here. But we have to listen to God. I've been um, to many places in my life. My, one of my uh, earlier pilgrimages, when I was still a seminarian, a very good friend of mine in South Salem uh, invited me to go to Medjugorje and paid for my ticket. And so I went with them, and then I went again. Along that, with that trip was somebody from Center for Peace West, and when I was ordained, they asked me if I'd lead my own group. And so I went as a chaplain. And in that place, that's the only place I've ever been among the many, many many apparitions I've been to, uh, where you see men and women walking around with a rosary in their hand all day long, just praying. It was unbelievable. But in going back from there, I mentioned this. This is a place that has not been approved by the church, nor has it been disapproved. In fact, the Vatican's studying it very heavily right at the moment. And they usually don't judge these until they're over, unless there's something very against faith and morals. Then they'll come in and do this. Most places where Jesus or Mary are alleged to have appeared are never judged by the church because they never get that far. But in this case, we will wait for the judgment of the church, and that will be the final decision. I can't judge it on my own, although you know, we can form our own opinions. I was coming home from the second trip. I don't remember which of the two trips this was, but I was a priest, so it was the second trip. And uh, one of the ladies that was the chaperone, it was a youth pilgrimage, uh, youth from all over the world were there, and uh, she uh, showed me her rosary on the, on the plane. And it was very interesting because it was half gold and half silver. She said, it's changing into a, a gold color. And I looked at it and I, I said, did you get this at 50% off? <laughs> I, I, I didn't really believe that, but I, I thought, well, that's interesting. You know. Well, we got off the plane and it was all gold. 
So I saw this with my own eyes, and I saw many other much more interesting phenomena in Medjugorje. So this is not a sermon about Medjugorje. I'm just saying that there's only two options with that one. It's either from God or from the devil, because there's something supernatural going on there. But we have to use discernment. You may think because the rosary changed to gold that it has to be from God, but I would tell you that is not true, because you can look at Bayside, New York, which has been completely disproved, and you also have rosaries turning to gold. So you can't judge a phenomena. You can't judge whether God is here by these kinds of phenomena because we're dealing with the supernatural world. There's a world around us we cannot see that is extremely real, and we need a guide because we're deaf, dumb, and blind to it without the scriptures to guide us. Some people say, well, I'm spiritual. I don't need a church. I don't need the Bible. Yet they're using, without realizing it, all the tools that God has given us. Everything we know about the angels comes from the Bible. No place else. Before Jesus and his revelation to the Jews and later to the church, people were in deep ignorance. They had no choice. They did not know what was out there as human beings. Only God can reveal himself when he chooses to, like Samuel. We too must use principles of discernment whenever we are dealing with the Lord. And the way we do that is, what are the fruits of my life? St. Ignatius of Loyola teaches, I'm a Jesuit educator, I got a whole class on the Ignatian exercises. It was it was interesting. I, uh, I, I was in class once, and the teacher talked like this. It was 1 o'clock in the afternoon. One time I woke up halfway under the desk on my way onto the floor. <laughs> Nevertheless, I'm the one that became a priest. God bless Father Shawls. I got a seat. But, <laughs> but I read the book. St. Ignatius says you, there are three times that we can discern something. I make an initiative. In my life, I start to do something. You can tell right away when something's going to be not of God. I have an addiction or I have some kind of a problem. I know that I'm going to get immediate pleasure if I, if I pull the trigger on this. But right after that, there's going to be regrets, 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 confession, renewal. I know at the beginning I'm going to get in trouble if I go down this path. That's, that's we can see this, the tail of the snake is what he calls Satan. We can see that there's trouble. Right at the beginning, sometimes we get into something. We start very innocently talking about people and stuff, and before you know it, you're running them down, you're gossiping, and you, you suddenly catch yourself and say, I've gotten into something I shouldn't be talking about. The tail of the snake shows up while you're in the middle of it, or you're watching a thing on TV, and suddenly something in the middle of it comes on. You realize, I'm watching something that's pretty awful. Maybe I shouldn't be watching this. You speed fast forward or maybe turn it off. This is, this is when we, in the middle of an experience, Sometimes we don't realize that, it's, that there are bad fruits coming till we're near the end. And the Lord permits this because that's how we grow. We have to look and see, am I really bearing good fruit by the path that I've taken? If not, maybe it's time to make some changes in my life. We have to look and see, uh, what is the fruit of this thing that's going on in my life? Um, and this is how God speaks to us. And the church can assist us on every part of the way. You know, the world's making many, many judgments these days about all kinds of things that are once considered immoral. We too have to look at this, whether, you know, everything from same-sex marriage, euthanasia, contraception, abortion, these are the things that the world talks about. We seldom talk about that in church, but they think that's all we talk about here in the Catholic Church. We're really talking about, how does God speak to me? How do I discern these very real issues in the church right now? We do it by looking at church history and tradition. What did the church fathers say? What did 2,000 years of tradition say? What does Christ say? But more importantly, how do I live my life at work and at home and at school? What do I say about people? What are the fruits of my life? What, 
What is God asking me to do? Samuel had to learn, and he learned it through Eli. Andrew had to, Peter had to learn, he learned it from Andrew. Andrew and Peter learned from John the Baptist. We too, God has asked us to have a guide. It's not my father, it's our father. That's why we come together. There's no such thing as a church of one. We, we belong together, and that's how Christ speaks to us. When I pray, especially on this vacation, I just said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I don't know what you're going to do with me this week. I just pray for renewal. That's important for priests to get renewed. Otherwise, I have nothing to offer you. But what the Lord says to each of us this year, this week, ask yourself, what is God saying to me and how does he say it? How does it jive with the really real church tradition and, and scripture? Is this something I should be pursuing? This is what we ask. This is how God, we grow. He, he makes us think. That's what theology is. Faith-seeking understanding. We are thinkers. We are, we are strivers. We're looking for the will of God. Andrew, Samuel, Peter, even John the Baptist, all of them had to grow through experience, and we too are the same way. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Lord, where do you live? Come and you will find out.